Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey everyone, this is a live recording of a very special book to film event. We invited some of our friends, Eric Mulford, who's a producer and a consultant, and Marty Goh, who's a producer and a director, and asked them to talk all about how to craft an elevator pitch. If you've ever wondered how to describe your work quickly or panicked at the, so what's your work about question, this episode is for you. If you prefer to watch the video, you can check out the link in the show notes. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. We're live and recording. We're so happy to see you here. Thank you for coming out to join us. We have a really fun evening planned for you. I'm Jessica Sinsheimer, literary agent with Context Literary Agency and the co-founder of MSWL and its sister company, The Manuscript Academy. We exist to bring conference resources and connections to you wherever you may be. Welcome. Hey guys, I'm Julie Kingsley. I'm a longtime writing teacher and I am co-founder of the Manuscript Academy. Yay! (laughs) So if you're not familiar with us, we do a lot of things at the Manuscript Academy. We're a podcast, we're an online conference, and a portal for connecting with professionals. And it's our great pleasure to introduce some very special guests. I am so excited for tonight, you guys. (laughs) So first, we have Eric Mofford. Eric is a producer, a line producer, and a budget consultant. He has been involved in over 150 films, television, and web productions, as well as numerous music videos and commercials. His credits include the Emmy-winning television series 24 and the iconic indie feature Daughters of the Dust. And I was just telling Eric in the green room that I was stalking him online. <laughs> and it's he's super fun to see all the different places that he lands. And I was most impressed by his wiki fandom, his, his, his profile and the wikifandom.com. So that's very cool. Eric is also the founder of 101filmtraining.com, which is kind of like the Manuscript Academy for filmmakers. A little different, more one-on-one coaching, but we're super excited to have you here, Eric. Thank you. Yay. Welcome. We also have Marty Go. We are so excited to welcome Marty. She is a Filipino-American filmmaker hailing all the way from West Palm Beach, Florida. Getting her start in theater, she began as an actress and went on to doing corny TV shows and commercials as a kid. (laughs) This eventually led to attaining her BFA in acting from Florida State University. She then moved to LA where she was accepted into USC's prestigious master's in film and TV program and recently graduated. Marty is a project-involved directing fellow and one the Barbara Boyle Excellence in Filmmaking Award. She is also an HBO Visionary Award winner for her film Remittance. Marty recently received the Camaraderie Grant for her short film, Ilipino, which will be premiered in the LA Asian Pacific Film Fest and Holly Film Fest. Marty recently finished shooting her feature directorial debut called Rise. The dramatic thriller is inspired by the real-life conflict between the Nigerian people and the Boko Haram insurgency, the jihadist rebel organization responsible for kidnapping hundreds of girls and women and enslaving them into the sex trade. She also directed a segment in the horror anthology called Phobias and produced by Radio Silence and Defiant. She recently finished a horror film called Black as Night for Blumhouse Television and Amazon Studios and will be directing a movie for Miramax this summer. Welcome. Thank you. 
my gosh, Great it's so exciting to have like caliber of what you guys do here with us tonight. I'm sure everyone is super excited. Why don't we start the Q&A with what do you look for in a great concept? Just starting this right off the bat, the thing is, is that I think what people always forget is why they're the person that should tell the story. And that, it could be a story, you can tell about the protagonist, you can tell about all the beats in the story, but it's why are you the person that's the one that, that should tell the story? And I think that's really the most important thing when you do your quote-unquote elevator pitches. They right away know, okay, because if you, obviously you want to be the one to be telling the story, so you want to convey that and then tell the story. But somewhere along the line, it has to be why you're the person. For me, when I'm considering a concept to either be a writer or a director on or something that they want me to work on, either way, I always have a signal for myself when I know that this is for me. And it's really what I get goosebumps. There's just something inside me says, this is going to be great. This is going to either impact a lot of other people or help me grow in some sort of way. But the concept has to be simple enough, but also so impactful that I am willing to spend years on writing or directing it. Mm-hmm. And um, years is a good term because that's, yeah. it's not <laughs> a couple of months. <laughs> so you're like book publishing, you take longer than everyone thinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It takes forever to make a movie. How long does so, it usually take? It can take years. Like, Almost every single movie from pre-production or to writing to production to post can sometimes take three years to do all that. And then, but that's before it was written. So sometimes writing wise, like that movie Black is Night we were talking about earlier that I just finished, it took the writer, he wrote it 10 years ago and had been pushing it around to every studio for the last 10 years. And it just happened to be a perfect time, political-wise, worldwide, all these different things had to align for the script to be right. Yeah, I've had projects that take, go right off the bat. All the elements are right there. I have a project that I've been trying to get off the ground since 1994, and it's a Black history story that was based on blues and the whole, what they call the Chitlin circuit. And nobody wanted to do black history back in 1994. Mm, But now people are interested in doing those kind of stories. We've got a a director that worked with before, Julie Dash, and she's got a real good background. And there's a lot of people interested in her work. So all of a sudden, this project is now being pitched again, and it looks like it's going to go into production. So some of these things can take a long time, and some things can happen within a few months. Exactly. Sometimes the concept's even more important because sometimes the script can be really good, but if it doesn't match with what people care about at the moment, it almost doesn't matter. Like I've seen scripts that are really half-baked, probably one draft of it. There's so many spelling errors in the studios. Let's do this now. It's ready to go. You know, just the subject of and what the audience is and like the analytics of Netflix are saying like, we need movies about, you know, aliens right now. Movies about aliens. We always say this is very true. This is very true. Do they share that data with you? Sometimes, yes. Like I've got marketing friends for a movie that I'm attached to that are like, okay, this is what's in right now. Netflix is only buying this type of content. They're only financing this type of thing right now. So for example, it was like, 
it was very in for zombies and now it is not not at all and then during this time during pandemic they're like okay vampires are in so we need to do vampire movies right now (laughs) but zombies will come back (laughs) i have to say that and that's why i don't think you should ever do a project that you're doing because you're trying to hit the market quote unquote because it's not going to be a project that's really, again, important to you. You should do the one yep. that's important to you. It may not go right away, but file it away because it may come back. And to keep working on projects. But if you try to hit the market, by the time you're ready to show that script as a completed project, or even when it was hip, Walking Dead, what, a few years ago, yeah, everybody wanted to do zombie movies. Now everybody's done enough zombie movies. You can't try to do something just based on the market. you got to do it based on what you feel you want to do. thousand percent, yep. So can you guys tell us about a magic moment when a storyline and a project came together? I did this project, this is a way back, but there was uh, a project that I was involved with when it was still at, and this was, it, it was a story originally, and then it became a short film. And then from that short film, it developed into a feature and it was the short film that helped to sell the feature idea. And it was, each time it hit those different levels, the more and more magic happened. And that was Daughters of the Dust, which is a film that's now on the National Registry, and there's considered one of AFI's most important independent films ever made. So that was one of those things where it was a slow build. There's been a few times in terms of for directing projects, it's probably my first feature film. The producer had just like pitched me a log line on something he had an idea for. And then I had a little bit more of a different take on that pitch. And I based it on a real life event. Like she said, in my bio, I did Rise based on the Boko Haram and all of the girls they had, hundreds of girls they have kidnapped and continue to kidnap to this day. And it was probably one of the most amazing projects to work on because we've got to, I met a lot of the girls that were kidnapped and escaped. And there's not a lot of them, but there's about (laughs) a few, 40 of them. And I met about five. And so I was able to meet with them, interview with them and get their life stories. And it's strange because I don't think the, when it went out, it was during the pandemic. And so the film festival that I was supposed to premiere and everything shut down, obviously. And even though it hasn't come out yet, it's gotten me so much more work and amazing meetings that I've never even imagine I could get, but it was something so much deeper than something I could just throw away and be like, okay, that was something I did. It was like, it felt like, even though it hasn't officially come out yet, I think 10 years from now, I'll look back at it and be really proud of it because I put my all into it. I used my heart and my soul to make it, to write it, to direct it. Yeah. Was there anything in the interviews that surprised you? In the interview? Oh, yes. Oh my God. So much. More than anything, I think it was like the strength of the girls being able to go through something so incredibly difficult and go on every single day and still try to attain an education, go to college, just doing the normal everyday thing that we're all doing. But on top of that, coming from such a tumultuous situation, the most surprising is strength. And that is what's most inspiring to me to see that people can go through so much and still keep going and succeed. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you guys are saying is, it's about like you guys have the books and film have the ability to capture moments. And sometimes that moment needs to be captured and having faith like Eric's, you know, new project coming out or working on coming out. 
there's a time for it that history will catch up with this story. And that's so amazing and important. And books are the same thing. Can we chat about the pitch? That's what we're all here for. So we're like grounding in a little bit on what, where the film world is, but let's talk about this pitch. How do you both formulate a good pitch? I have my little cheat sheet here because I do teach, as you said, mentioned this one-on-one film training. So a lot of what a part of that is helping people develop their projects. So it always part of the beginning of developing is that pitch and that log line of what you, how are you going to talk about your project? The more concise, the better. I can't say that enough. So that way you should keep working on it just like you would on a speech or anything where you're saying, okay, what's the best word that can fill the most? So everybody should be like Ernest Hemingway here. How can I say as much in one word as possible? And a lot of it comes with your personality, being able to show your excitement of that idea. You have to have the protagonist. You've got to give the situation. You've got to give what the basic action is going to be. and there's got to be the complication. And I know a lot of this sounds like the hero's journey concept, but that works in a pitch. Even if it's, even if your story ultimately isn't the hero's journey, it really helps with a pitch idea is that you can create that journey so somebody can see, visualize what you're talking about in that short amount of time. And of course, you always have to identify the genre. It's a hero's journey and it's a zombie movie. We need that, <laughs> that, that said there. So we all, because all of a sudden it could be, if it's, we know it's a zombie movie, it could be a whole different thing. So the genre is important. And listen, if there's any kind of things that can sell actors, there's sex, there's greed, there's lots of humor, any of those things that are selling points should always be mentioned as well. Yes, I agree with all of that. It depends on what type of pitch you're giving out. So if it's just a pitch that you're trying to write a script for, or you're trying to sell a show, or trying to direct something, it's all different. But I would definitely say keeping it very concise is extremely important. Most execs that I've met with, they really want a pitch that can be done in 18 minutes. That's like the magic number that I hear all the time. But it's very important to first come off the important, talk about the important, why it's important to you, express your passion for that project and why. Say a logline that has a protagonist and a situation or a concept that's very clear talk about a summary of that logline, a little bit more detail, but not too much. You don't have to go into crazy detail because especially if the concept is amazing, then the more details you bring can bog it down and confuse people. And then ending on something, again, the importance of it, why everybody would want to watch something like that. And again, why it's important to you to be telling this story. I'll just add something too is, yeah, don't get bogged down with your B and C stories that might be in there because they may be important. But if the person you're pitching to is interested, then that they'll start asking those questions. And then you can get into the minor characters, the secondary storylines, stuff like that. But it shouldn't really be part of your first pitch. And uh, I mean, the other thing I'd add is just, if it's a comedy, you should be funny. If it's a serious movie, you shouldn't be funny, that kind of thing. So the carry on those lines. Obviously, a pitch is harder when it's just written because some of those nuances can't be expressed as much. So are you trying to make it so that they, A, feel the feeling of the story and B, want to ask questions? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So they call it the elevator pitch. Forgive me for asking, but I'm so curious. Do people jump into elevators and pitch things? Not if you want to be liked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pitched a story in an elevator and I got a full request. 
Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I know. Well, I was stuck in the elevator. Like, <laughs> um, so anyway, so, and I think when we talked about the longer pitch, so there's, there's a longer pitch. So what Marty was saying is when you're going into, you know, the production houses or whatever and pitching a story, that's a much longer process than the quick elevator pitch. So how long is an elevator pitch? Like, one or two sentences. What do you guys have a rule for that? And is it the same as a log line? Because we've got that question yeah, in the chat too. I think it's like very similar to a log line. It's basically maybe it's one or one sentence more because your log line usually doesn't talk about yourself. But I think that the yeah, I think that's I don't. Yeah, certainly eighteen minutes is too long for an elevator yeah. pitch. Yeah, and then you're probably talking about a new script idea about the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The elevator pitch should be like two to three sentences. It's just as fast as like changing the channel. What their mind is on is if I'm an audience member and I'm flipping through channels and I see 10 seconds of this screen, do I want to watch it? And you want to explain exactly what you mean. Like Eric said, is you want to pack as much meaning in these few words so that the audience immediately gets it and wants to stay on the channel and watch. Yeah. If you confuse anybody in an elevator pitch, it's going nowhere. So you don't want to do, you know, you don't want to confuse mm-hmm. Do you guys have a favorite pitch that you've heard of that went on to be a be made? Do you have that favorite? I have a favorite, mm-hmm. actually. It's ridiculous. Let's hear yours first. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, the Wedding Crashers. So two 30-something divorce lawyers crash weddings. I think they said get late, but have sex. And instead find love. Huh. Hmm. So yeah. because the divorce lawyers... And the 30-something, you know who they are immediately. And then they go for, like, nefarious reasons. But then the twist is they find love. Very simple. It's funny. It's heartwarming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is, a work like that, you can pitch many different ways, which Mm. leads us to our next activity. Yes. Julie, do you want to introduce it? I'm wondering if people want to try to... Should we put them all together and give them a choice? We could, and then we could guess which one is which, so we'd probably know pretty fast. So I have three different movies here. Pride and Prejudice, The Hunger Games, and The Wizard of Oz. All booked to film. So so those are all booked to film. So you can either pitch Pride and Prejudice, Hunger Games, or The Wizard of Oz. So let's see how you would pitch those movies. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different ways to pitch them, and it's so much easier when it's not your own book. Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite movies. I have to admit, I've never seen The Hunger Games or read the book, so I'm sorry. I can't pitch that one. (laughs) These are good. I like some of these. (laughs) Oh, Lindsay, that's so funny. Three deranged men and a young woman go on a cross-country trek with stolen shoes. (laughs) (laughs) The Tin Man's son, Steel, spelled like metal, rules his own kingdom. (laughs) A small town Kansas girl in Kansas murders a witch and roams the countryside with three strangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. A young woman competes in a game for her life. Yes. Yep. That's mm-hmm. good. A scrap metal artist tries to save her brilliant runaway sister and ultimately herself from being described by the family they need, the lovers they crave, and their obsession with being remembered no matter how disastrous results. Oh, really good, Wendy. Yeah, that is lovely. I lost my fridge tornado sends a young Kansas girl into a magical world. She yearns to find a way back home. Oh, 
A barely surviving teen gets forced into the battle for the death, only to accidentally start a revolution. Mm-hmm. Katniss Everdeen risks her own life to save her sister and perhaps the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a whole lot of Pride and Prejudice pitches here. I know. No. <laughs> Maybe everyone likes it. <laughs> <to dive in. laughs> okay. Oh, here we go. There you go. Oh, oh, a rich guy Negs likes those negative things too. A poor woman into believing he loves her. That's hilarious. There's some pride and prejudice. There you go. Yes, (laughs) he totally does. Yeah. In Regency England, Elizabeth, second of five daughters, refuses to even dance with the visiting snob. But when he saves her family from ruin, come back. Oh no. I should have copied it. Copied she, second she second guesses her rejection of his marriage proposal. <laughs> yes. hmm. So notice what you guys have done here. So the pitches that we saw earlier come in, they were much longer. They said a lot more. So it's interesting. Eric, obviously you can figure out which one the Hunger Games is. Right. right? Did you mm-hmm. feel you had an essence of what that book's about? Yeah, yes, from some of the pitches, yeah. The whole idea of the revolution, the young woman reading that and stuff. I do think that could be a lot of stories. So you'd also want to include maybe, which I don't know the story, some of the, how she does it somewhere in that pitch. Specificity. Yeah, I think the game of like putting your life on the line is really important. So being able to not only talk about Katniss Everdeen, but talking about this game that, will mean her life if she loses. Yeah, because that's what separates it from another movie of somebody leading a revolution. Right. One thing I'm curious about, in publishing, we use a formula that is character wants to goal, but can't because of conflict. Mm -hmm. So they do X, which results in Y. Is that something that happens in the film world too? Yeah, absolutely. There should always be a conflict or some sort of irony within it so that you can automatically see what the movie is going to be about, not just like, they go to the store, but they go to the store, but are stopped by whatever. You know what I'm saying? So that there's some sort of conflict for us to expect. And ideally, there have been movies that don't have resolution, but we are more satisfied as an audience when the dog barks. But we are more satisfied as an audience with, with the resolution. You know, so that it, either can, it may not be the resolution we hoped for as an audience member, but at least there's some kind of resolution. If there's no resolution that's left there, a lot of times that's very disappointing, but there's that's not to say that hasn't been done in films. Certainly indie films are notorious for kind of not leaving you with a, a final resolution. But I think most audience members would like a resolution. These are so good. And, and as for the dog, we always say at the Master Academy, when a dog is barking, someone gets an agent. you You know i'll just i'll just say about the agent somebody asked about pitching to netflix and those kind of things it's really hard not to have an agent to have those things i know we would like to think it is but i can pitch to independent producers without an agent but anything that's going to be streaming or or a big studio thing i have to use my agent yep and you guys, there's a difference between literary agent and literary manager. So one handles books and one handles film. Let's just start reading some of these. I want to pick one that I just okay. like immediately read and was like so clear and I can see it. So a Mexican goth knife fighter battles racist while seeking revenge for a murdered friend. I love that. That's so unique. I can totally see that. I can see the Mexican goth knife fighter and like the problems that they 
the people that they're encountering and then why they're fighting all these people. That reminds me of Green Room, which I really like, which is an indie film that I love. But that's very clear. It's short and I can see it. And I really enjoy that. I want to see that. (laughs) I like when you can picture a little bit like this one. um, Yeah. What's a car to do when she has moved from her comfortable garage in suburban New Jersey to one with several hundred cars in Manhattan? The adventures of Kim Gal, car in the city, follows Kim Gal, a 15-year-old Toyota Avalon, whose owners decide they no longer need her and pass her down to the city-dwelling son and his family. It just sounds so beautifully visual and illustrated, maybe? I'm picturing it as illustrated. Animated, I guess. I'm just I'm looking at Patty's. In the mountains of New Mexico, a woman finds herself trapped in a battle for her life against her friends. I think what really interests me about it is I don't think there's a ton done in New Mexico when I really want to experience the darkness of it. I feel like that sounds like a really fun one. A lot of these are too long for elevator pitches. Mm-hmm. But might work for Twitter pitches. Yeah. Do they do? I don't know about Twittering. I have to be honest with you. Do people sell projects as Twitter pitches now? Yeah, they do. Agents all show up and click a button to say they like it and then get the rest of it in their inbox. Really? There is some movie pitch stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. People I, are doing are combing through Reddit too. Yeah, to I knew pitches. that. Yeah, cool. I really like this one. A twelve-year-old latchkey kid becomes a bellhop at a multi-dimensional hotel catering to heroes and superheroes from every parallel universe and genre convention. Lego Movie meets Diary of a Wimpy Kid. What's the last part? movie meets Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, that's kind of, that's certainly an interesting idea and could have a lot of potential for being, you know, made into sequels, which is always appealing for, you know, producing standpoint is that this, those are stories that could continue, which is, yeah, that's a nice idea. I've seen one by Susie Vitello saying, previously alienated by secrets and resentments, three adult siblings are united by survival when a devastating earthquake levels Portland. I really like that. That's very clear to me. Mm. I really like stories when the world ends. I'm very <laughs> fascinated by that. But I could also see three siblings who've all, never gotten along and now they have to get along or all die. I love that. That's really cool. I love how they're so different too. Yeah. I'm very much noticing though that like the quicker, shorter ones are just, they're easier to read to digest when there's too many details it's really confusing yeah so just keeping it very clear mm-hmm. so can i give you guys a one and you can break it down a little bit so i'm looking at jess's in quirky salem which city flowers hardworking assistant amy distrusts her boss distrusts her boss when he starts dating her sister it's war they must overcome a love triangle a secret kiss a runaway bride and bring feelings for each other so I feel like there's a lot of really good stuff there. How could we streamline that even a little bit tighter? I'll throw a couple of notes. I don't mean to be the naysayer on this stuff because there's uh, some great ideas and stuff forming. But so when you say in quirky Salem, so my first reaction is Salem where the witches in mass. So my question is, where's the quirky come in? That could be a whole lot of things, right? It's a comedy line in a way. So my feeling is, okay, maybe it's a funny piece. So I, Quirky is not necessarily the word I would use in this. I don't have another suggestion right off, but which city flowers, hardworking assistant Arnie distrusts her boss. And when he starts dating her sister, it's war. So are we in current times? Cause I feel like we are now, right? That's is it current oh. or is it? Cause my first reaction of witches in Salem is 1600s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and stuff. So we just need to clarify, but I'm thinking that, and then it's okay. So are we in Salem currently? And then it's war. They must overcome a love triangle, a secret kiss, runaway bride and brewing feelings for each other. I love the brewing. Yeah. The brewing, (laughs) you know, the question would be cool that, you know, what, okay, that, that I'm intrigued. What's the love triangle? What's the secret kiss? What's the runaway bride? But it, I don't feel like that they tie in together. So that's mm-hmm. just my take on that. I think there's some good elements here, but I don't, I think that it's, it needs, would need to be a little clearer for me. The part that feels clearer to me is when they get to, they must overcome a love triangle, secret kiss, runaway bride, and bring feelings for each other. But I'm really confused by what is which city flowers? Is that a person? Is that a company? I'm not really sure what that means. I assume um, it's a florist in Salem with a cute name. Is that correct? Yeah. I just came back from Salem like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I envision it being like this very dark, interesting yeah. flower shop where the flowers are mysterious and there's like stalls. And You would probably say, you wouldn't need quirky there. You'd say in Salem... Which city, the Gothic, which city flowers, or I don't know, something you'd, you'd want to put that Gothic somewhere else in there to relay that, mm-hmm. I think. So I don't think quirky like, is the word. Yeah, in a Gothic flower store in which city, you yeah. say Salem, mm-hmm. in a Gothic flower store in which city, Amy, and I almost want something like about a secret, and I don't know if this is in the book, but somehow accidentally has like some magic, whatever, because they're always like mm-hmm. love potion or whatever. Falls in love with her boss, but her sister. I don't know. It's hard when we haven't actually read the book, but I think there's something there with this flower store being really interesting. And then a love triangle between this guy she doesn't really even like, but she falls in love with, and her sister. I almost would change distrust because it raises a question to never liked. Amy never liked her boss. And when he starts dating her sister, it's war. It's war. If we could describe that a little bit more, because war could be everything, but is is it magical war? Is it Do they uh, throw flowers at each other? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's the genre? Is it comedy? Is it romantic rom-com. comedy? Is it rom-com? Is it fantasy? I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but true. How again, I love the word brewing in yeah, any story about a witch. Right. So that's, or, or Salem. That's a good choice of a word. That's mm-hmm. just so many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The double meaning is awesome. Mm-hmm. And they're saying there's starting some questions. Is it paranormal? Do we need to know that? A little more narrative about the boss. People are saying the love pentagram is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a love interest, the love pentagram wow. in there, and this witch thing might be interesting. Amy declares war on her boss and he starts dating her sister. Mm. Yeah, that's very clear. Here's someone rewrote it. Let me see. Shane did. Which city flowers employee Amy distressed her boss? When he starts dating her sister, it's all at war. Can they overcome a love triangle, cigarette kiss, runaway bride, and brewing feelings for each other? So that's great. It's very clear. But then if you lose the, the brewing and the, the cute feel. So it's just really interesting, you guys. Well, and then also, for example, if she is magical, does she want to hex him? Does she want to hex a comedic part of him? Does mm-hmm. she want to... What does she want to do that she's not doing yeah, because there's a yeah. lot of different ways that could be. If she right. is a witch, she could get back those ways. I kind of like those ideas. Yeah, it's so class and close. I just want more specificity and more imagery, if that makes right. sense. What, what we're, we're doing is exactly what you should be doing. We're looking at every language. We're looking at every twist and turn of tension, figuring out how to lean in and how to use words in double ways. 
So mm-hmm. we all hung up on that word brew. So yeah, we like really it. Interesting. And then the flower shop and what that flower shop can do. And I really love the idea of the hexagon in there too, the love pentagon thing. <laughs> um, so there's some ways you can play with that. Interesting ways. So. I, yeah, um, I, guess- I, I think that it's really helpful whenever you've got your pitches to have some friends try just doing yes. like this. Certainly like we're doing here if you have these opportunities. But don't, it's always something that can be honed and worked on because it's the less questions that are asked. You want them to ask questions about, okay, I love it. Now, how does the story go continue? You don't want them to ask questions about what you've just pitched. Does that make sense? I completely agree. Uh, That's so important. Every time I'm about to pitch something, I practice on my brother, my sister. I call my friends. And if I can say it within two sentences and they get it, then I know I'm on the right path. If they're confused, I know I have to go back to the drawing board and and figure something more concise and more clear. In Gothic Salem, there's a war brewing. Mm. Yes, yeah, so, so there's something like that. I like that. It's interesting. But I do think there's a market for stuff like this where, like, people do, like, witchy. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, oh, yeah. Sure. So that's oh, yeah, fun. I know. There's... Great. So the next thing on our schedule, you guys, is some more questions for you. Jessica, do you want to go off the... And I just want to no, add, I, I want to add, I saw some pitches I liked, but Things are flying so quickly on the chat by the time I we know, track there are so many mm-hmm. smart, talented people here. What will we do? We thought we'd break this up with some more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do some. How does pitching a book for TV or film work? Does the author pursue this or the agent or does someone in the TV film industry approach the author, agent, publisher? Ooh. So is the book published? Let's assume it's for a published book. All right. So if it's for a published book, usually it's you're being, this is obviously there's exceptions, but the most of the time, if it's a published book, then somebody has read it and really likes it and has brought it to their, probably to their agent and said, listen, we let's see about getting the rights to this. That's the usual situation that happens. If you have an actor with a big name, you're really in a good position. If they like that book and they want to play the character, that's it. That's that's the dream come true to get your project moving forward quickly. And if the book's a huge bestseller, obviously that helps yeah. a lot too. Yeah, that's mostly how it happens. If a if a book gets on some sort of bestseller list, it's most probably ninety nine point nine percent going to be hit up by somebody who wants to make it for you, and they usually just hit up their agents and managers, and they will option the right to then bring it to possibly a studio to develop and turn that book into a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes when I announce a deal, I get emails from people who want to read it for the possibility of film and other subrights. So. Yeah, and if there's some buzz, obviously so then you'll start getting some agents that want to get it to people to read even before it's been published. So that's where you can try to get the word out is some pre just before it's published, but letting but people know it's going to be published. This is the question. We have a lot of this type of thing. And I'm going to ask it, but I don't want you guys to freak out and say that it has to be this. <laughs> so how many words is the average elevator pitch for book to film? I think it's a couple sentences, not really yeah. words. Yeah, I would agree. It's exactly what we're doing right now, which is two to three sentences, a very c- clear, concise idea that can be understood immediately. This is a good one. And I think this kind of, we saw some people do it either way. When writing a pitch, is it best to use names of characters or just describe the characters instead? If the name of the character describes the character, that's pretty awesome. 
or, or <laughs> blinky or something that kind of gives you a sense. You're going to have a lot of, if you're going to describe the character, you're getting into a lot more words. So choose your words kind of carefully. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that if it's a random name that doesn't really give more to the character, then it's not as much important. But if they're the word that describes this character is very important to the rest of the sentence of somebody who's grumpy but is put into you know some sort of happy camp. There's conflict there, and then we see the irony and are more intrigued, then yes, it's more important. But otherwise, the name doesn't really matter. Okay. I like this question. Sorry, I just jumped in, Jessica, because I, like, I can't help myself. Go for it. Um, can you talk about the details you hold back in a pitch? Yes. I think Eric hit upon this before, but the the B and C characters aren't as important. If you get bogged down in that, it's very confusing. And so I would just stay with the main story unless there's like a love interest that will affect the main story, then sure, that's important too. But I would stay very, again, concise, focused on what the movie is about or the story is about and not get bogged down with all these other side stories that won't add anything. They may add something ultimately in the final product, but yeah. at that this point, this is not the time to start adding that stuff in. Exactly. Eric, I'm going to let you go first this time. If uh, One that I like? Yep. There's this one that Evie just did. It's called Teen Girl Becomes Possessed by a Ghost with Multiple Personalities, and, and one of them is planning a murder. Boom. Yeah. Right away, I'm intrigued. There's so there's... I know there's other characters, and it all could be in that in the same person. It's Sybil. It's, but one of them is planning a murder. So there's a lot of. I want to know more about that. That's so it's yep. intrigued me, me enough to go. Oh, tell me more. And that's really what I want to do. So to me, that works. And again, what's that? Not even one. It's one long sentence. Yeah, that's what my eyes went to first. I was like, that's really cool. I can totally see that, and I really, I actually want to see that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. <laughs> oh i like this 17 year old allison almost never reads minds it's too dangerous but when her woe he got tall childhood friend is the target of a murderer ali will need everything she's got to save him that that's great because that could also be a documentary pitch that could, <laughs> seriously fine. there there could be and you're seeing this i do a lot of documentaries as well and you're seeing documentaries now being pitched especially to the streaming services feature films used to be pitched a lot of them are coming from nonfiction. And so you have to present that same kind of pitching process. That could be either or, which is a fun thing. Hmm. Let's say it is a documentary. You say that pitch, and then at the very end you said, and it's all true. So there's a hint of a romantic element. Whoa, he got tall. I don't know. (laughs) I like that, too. There's a lot of ghosts tonight, which is fun. A medium who's terrified of ghosts is contacted by an answer to solve his murder in 1859. Oh, that's cool. Kind of cool. I'm terrified of ghosts. Uh, I love ghosts. I love them. <laughs> yeah, it implies we'll be them. okay in 100 years and still doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love the museum, Fire Manhattan, 1865, pretty much the same date, when Barnum's American Museum is set ablaze in an arson and murder plot. A wily street thief, a brash circus starlet, and a colossal firefighter struggle to survive the towering inferno and it, its man eating menagerie. See, I think that's a good example of using just one adjective to describe the character. And now I get a sense of that character. I didn't need a three or four lines, 
this right. one and it was, that was which is really great and how each of them and how it's such a fun trio right yeah mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun there's one in here that's really fun that i would like to see this in a vampire kingdom two forcefully separated women lovers spin a decade-long scheme that plunges the world into a war I like that that's vengeance that's like painful love loss and then there's just all-out war that sounds really fun mm-hmm. i could see that all you're looking for is the stickiness for them to get to the next piece tell me more show me your first page show me send me your manuscript someone actually said that to me today an editor said that she remembered someone i pitched to her three years ago and she had that stickiness so she asked what she was up to and i was like writing a book for you so marilyn atlas (laughs) that is a she's on faculty for us she's producer and literary manager in hollywood and she would come to my classroom she would zoom in when i taught like in the actual regular classroom and she talks about, she'll, every once in a while I talk to her, she'll talk about a pitch from four years ago. What's oh, that wow. kid doing? Tell me about that story. I'm like, wow. But you know, that's what a good pitch is. I tell new agents that too, that if you like something, put it down for a few days and see if you still think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because an editor will put it down a few days. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good note. Another note I want to make is a couple of these pitches I see in here are using the old concept of a name of a movie meets a name of another movie and that is gone as a way of pitching that's that was the way you at one point was very popular it's star wars meets batman or that kind of thing and that's not because basically you're referencing movies that may not necessarily be what that person's looking for which may be a big mistake so it's much better to try to give your pitch even if it is similar to other movies to make that pitch concise and clear as just a pitch and not compare it to other movies later you might be able to it's better to have them say that sounds a lot like star wars but yet it's also what was the one that's intergalactic uh weeping uh, the teen the one the pitch we heard earlier the, about the intergalactic but it's a teen i forget anyway so that that works better because he never mentions a movie but we have a sense of that versus actually mentioning a movie right and then you let them feel smart yeah that's always good yeah so let's choose one to break down for everyone just so because i know there's so many to go through here's another one i like it says imagine being stuck in someone else's nightmare and finding a tattoo gouged across your back that reads amnesia is a gift when memories kill right away i'm intrigued that sort of has that memento kind of feel oh that's what i said see (laughs) There you go. And look at you didn't. You, and I felt us, smart. Both of us didn't. You didn't. Neither of us had to say memento. Both of us felt in the, it was memento. Yet the writer didn't have to say memento. And that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's great when uh, that, that works yeah. out. What about Bonnie's? After the death of her mother, an eleven-year-old girl moves onto a sailboat, captained by her depressed father, and is forced to sail her family to safety. You know what bothers me about this immediately? <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks, Julie. With the, <laughs> we're I, here I'm to help. Start with the negative, because <laughs> we're going to help. But I don't know who this 11 year old girl is. What What's her deal? Is she like? Do you remember how Emily? How in the other story with the Barnum and Bailey on fire? Each of those characters had a detail that kind of gave us a sense of who they are. 
So I would love a granny to, you know, a shy 11 year old girl, a rebellious or yeah. Or yeah. What kind of person? Yeah, I agree. Let's describe the 11 year girl. And we don't need to describe the father is depressed. He's certainly, we doubt that he's going to be overjoyed of the death of the mother and stuff. So I think that there might be a better way that to describe that the father is captaining this boat. He's not the right guy, which I'm gathering from this to be captain, be he shouldn't be captaining this boat right now. That's, right. So that's so, a, it's a way to show that she should be in charge. Right? Yes. But it oh. makes us feel less enthusiastic. If I read depressed, I feel a little more depressed. But you want us enthusiastic, right? Yeah. Or something about the fact that the father shouldn't be captaining this boat. I see. Is When you say depressed, does that mean he's sitting on the boat and, and what does like that mean suicidal or suicidal? yeah because yeah. that's that's or yeah suicidal or is he is he ready to murder his whole family because of that or or something and when it says sail her family to safety are we talking about just the 11 year old and her father or is there other family members because mm-hmm. family to me is just it could be her dad and her then we should just say it's the two of them yeah should we take out captained by her depressed father and leave that as space for more description of who's there? Moves on to a sail. Yeah, I or moves on to her father's sail. Her, her father's plane is depressed. Her father's uh, her adjective at this point. Father's sailboat. We don't mm-hmm. need the captain. Isn't she implying? Don't you have the vibe that this something's going to happen to the father and she's yeah. going to take over the boat? Then now, then the only family she's saving is herself. Yeah, <laughs> if something well, happens. He's probably to on there too, right? So that's. I the got the sense Mark- that like they were on a boat for reasons we don't know and hit a storm, and her dad's just whatever can't deal with it. And right. I don't know something much more dramatic we, could be happening. We need to know that her mother died. Can we just say after a tragedy, mm. a clever blank eleven-year-old is forced to live? You know, something like that. Right. Yeah. Listen, here's the, yeah. So going back to the idea here is what we don't know is what the real action of this movie is. Yeah. We we just know that at one point she's going to be sailing a boat, that she's the one that's going to be the the hero of getting it to safety. Exactly. But we don't know what the action is. All we have a sense of just is that her father and her are sad that they lost their mother. But that's a, a part of the story. The bigger story here is what happens yeah what's the main conflict is there a storm that hits does her father jump off the boat because he's depressed or like what are we going to be watching exactly maybe we can shift the emphasis to how she saves the day versus what happens to her Mm -hmm. i know where she is is she in the caribbean with i wouldn't necessarily go there because then that kind of puts you into they may just you may get somebody wants to make this movie and film it in the mediterranean I wouldn't, nec- unless That's it's really a story point, I right, wouldn't. Well, I thinking, like, you know, because the coast of Maine, if you're selling on the coast of Maine, you could easily just, you can see now, hit underground rocks. There's so, like, the, the fact that, maybe it's my own anxieties are coming out here. <laughs> you don't want your kids on a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> We've been sailing. But, but that that's interesting, too. Like, when you talk about, like, the nimbleness of where something belongs versus if that part of the ocean is setting, that, that's appropriate for the story. And there's nothing wrong with borrowing from successful pitches. I highly recommend if you've got a story about a sailboat in the waters that's going down, there's been a 
bunch of movies, everything from The Perfect Storm to the recent Robert Redford film, stuff that go find some of those, how those, what those pitches were yeah. read as, mm-hmm. and find some of the words that they used to sort of pitch that story. And obviously, your story is not exactly the same. But again, that's instead of saying it's a cross between Perfect Storm and and Waterworld, use those elements of the pitch to tell your pitch. Yeah. I don't know if this is where the author was intending to go, but one way to do it, if this was true, was something like 11-year-old name of character never thought of herself as a hero. But when they hit a storm on her father's sailboat, it's up to her to save her family and any semblance of the life she once had. Something, if that's true, I have no idea. But that, to me, I get a much better sense of the story I'm about to what what it is. And... Again, I like that you didn't mention that he's depressed. It's, that's part. That's an element of the story because that she didn't see herself as a hero. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's that emotional arc. And I think when we're looking at pitches, we want to feel like up and excited and yes, can't wait, active, everything. Yeah. Um, but when I read how it is now, it just makes me feel a little sad. And I want to stay inside and wear a sweater and drink tea and never talk to anybody. <laughs> so um, I, I, think it's, I think it's one of those things where it's, we're going to absorb the energy of your pitch. And yeah. that's why it matters so much every word that you choose. Yeah, I think depression is a very strong word. And so when you use that word, it's, okay, I'm going to be in for a cry fest or I'm going to sit there really depressed too. So I think that's, if this is going to be an action thriller that's, oh, I really want to watch that, then use those words. But if it's really depressing, that's going to be hard to digest and be like excited about. It's hard. Yeah. There's a question here. Isn't that first part didn't see herself as a hero too vague for a pitch? I think it's too vague in terms of fact, but very specific in terms of emotion. So I think if you have one of the two, you're probably okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I think your rewrite there probably could be honed down a little bit Mm -hmm. more and stuff. It's just, I think it is giving a clearer idea of a story than the original pitch. And I, yeah, I I have to say back to the word depressed. That's not a great word to use in a pitch, even if it is about a depressed character, because people don't necessarily choose to watch movies that, that are about depressing characters, unless you can, there's a, that in the pitch that they're going to resolve that themselves, it's going to be resolved. Then maybe you can use the word, but I really don't recommend using that word in a pitch. Here's another take. 11-year-old Jessie thought watching her mother fade away was the hardest thing she'd ever had have to do, but that was before her grieving father forced the family onto a sailboat headed straight for the Bermuda Triangle. Whoa. Well, now we know they're going to get into trouble. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, right. That's a good one. I don't know about fading away, but... Um, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it's, could, that could be Alzheimer's. Yeah, it could be a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. I love the element of a very specific trouble there. Yeah. You know, like, like, <laughs> marks the spot. It's on you guys. My question to you both is, in this process, do you have any tips and tricks for writers that you think that you could just share them with them, your knowledge? So most of the writers are writing fiction here, correct? The majority and stuff. Yeah, and- we have a lot of different genres, but yes, for this event, probably fiction. And with that in mind, the fiction is to be published and then looking for, uh, hopefully, to go into a movie idea. Yeah, I think the first, of course, the most important thing is make sure the book is good. The story is good as fiction. And then from there, it can be easily 
much easier to develop into a film. Now, there's certainly people that write go directly to writing a screenplay, and that's a form of its own. But I have to say that I think the, the best fiction, and again, this is generalization, but the best fiction that translates into film has characters that have good, distinct dialogue between each other in the novel that can be translated into the film as dialogue. And so that's something that, that I think is always going to help get your project moving forward. When an actor reads a book and can see themselves playing that role, you're well ahead of the game. I think my biggest advice, and we touched upon this earlier, is really pushing a story that you can connect to, be very passionate about, and that comes from your heart. Instead of trying to satisfy what the market or the world wants from you, what can you offer? And like I said earlier, it may take years for the world to catch up to that, but your passion and your fire for the thing that you want to say in the world, it will come to fruition someday. It may not be now, or it might be tomorrow. But I think just looking at what you have to offer as an individual in this world is more valid and important and special than anything that you could just try to force other people to like. So come from your heart and create from there. Aww. Yeah, you better like your story if you want other people to like it. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And someone, someone was asking about the book to film process and just a little deeper into that. And I would say what gets confusing is, and we didn't get into, maybe this is another night, maybe we can have you guys back, but oh, the whole idea of how to break into the film industry versus the writing industry is a totally different kind of beast. I think we would need uh, quite a bit more time to talk about that, but that's something really interesting. I, I would say the weirdest thing about being a book writer is that you really can't write your own screenplay. You need to be in the guild. If I'm correct, and who's attached to that project? Like what you're saying, it does it does make a difference. Thank you yeah. guys so much. Yeah. This was so fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, good. And keep everybody keep writing. Yes, yes, everyone, please take good care of yourselves. We know the world is stressful. We are here to be your infotainment in the meantime. So take care. We are here to help. <laughs> All right. Good night. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.